Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is about parking minimums. Hang on to your seat. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Man, that jam is so hot. That is hot, baby. It's never not hot. <laughs> I, I hope people go to iTunes or Spotify or whatever and go check out The Sailor. It's fire. It is fire. It's jam. It is fire. It's hot, jam. hot jam. Hot jam. Uh, okay, I've been gone. Jared has been gone. Welcome back. He's back. And now I'm rocking a mic. So, yeah. Talk to me. <laughs> Uh, we got a we got a fun show today. We're going to be talking about the riveting subject of parking minimums. I've got uh, Sam Tootin here with me. Oh, what's going on? And the Yoda of all things government, Mr. Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi, Hi. Obama. <laughs> <laughs> you are known. Uh, I guess. <laughs> it's like a brand on me now. Um, okay. Well, so, welcome back, though, Jared. I mean, thanks. you do really. It, I was covering the last one, and I just don't, I don't know where to throw the names. The right? oh, okay. the yeah, I just, well, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I've always been that uh, spark of conversation. Yeah. It must be the engineer in me. It's very, it's never yeah, has an off good. day. He does tell yeah. us that all the time. So. <laughs> can't afford one. <laughs> uh, okay, so parking minimums. We got okay. some local stuff going on. You've got, you've got some stuff uh, happening. Uh, in the consulting side, and then our friends over um, at Strong Towns uh, had a, a Black Friday uh, kind of picture carousel uh, yes. that I know you guys want to want to riff on, but yeah, shout kind out of, to them. Yeah, paint paint me a backdrop, as Brett likes to say, <laughs> of of parking minimums. Yeah, what are they? Where do they come from? Um, they are basically a zoning law, right? So there are requirements in development. Existing development, chains of uses, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So they're in your zoning code. They are for residential, commercial, however many people you have within that space. We put heavy emphasis on how much parking we're going to give you. And they say things like, if you're a restaurant, you have to have one parking space for every so many seats in your restaurant. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a commercial business, you have to have... X number of parking spots for however much square footage, square footage of yeah. sales area you have and those types of things. So in all community, and not all, many, most communities have those types of things yeah. right now. Yes. And the problem is we're seeing, obviously, that space being underutilized. So it's not being filled with cars. It's just empty, just sitting yeah. empty. So so can I can I do a hot take? Yeah. Okay, should I, should I play the song? <laughs> no, you don't have to. It's not. It's not a Brett Brett Olfen hot take. Yeah. So one thing that uh, when we started talking about this, or I started seeing it, I've, I see a lot of similarities in, you know, what Strongtown folks and, and Chuck are talking about in his new book. You know, as far as roads and their design for the heaviest and highest capacity moment, right? 
parking is the exact same way. Yeah. We're designing for that one time in a million years mm-hmm. that we're going to need all of our parking. Yeah. But the other 99.99% of the time, they sit there just chewing up valuable real estate in a downtown. True. Absolutely. And I think it obviously goes for new development or sites like that, but it also talks about, you know, for the um, your normal off-street parking. So your, your curb parking, what we offer here in Marietta on Front Street, for example. You know, mm-hmm. so the question comes down, debate comes down to, is it free? Is it, is it metered? You know, what, what does that do? Because we see it here. There's no space. So you're driving, you're circulating, you're trying to just find that spot because you want to park right out front, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different than obviously a building that has a use, a commercial use, and you have to have all 10 employees, you know, with a spot and a half basically. Right. So they can go park somewhere else. This the parking reform also talks about, again, what the public can have access to while also the development side of it is just overpopulated with parking spots. So it's just too much. It's too much. Um, but also on the development side, it hinders new, new commercial development, new businesses to come in because they can't meet that requirement. So they're naturally having to go get an exception, a variance of some sort, just to, just to meet it. And I've talked to you guys before you keep having variances of the same thing, it's like you better question why, you know, that mm-hmm. is. Like a planning commission should be like, oh, why are we dealing with this every time? And not only mm-hmm. is it a variance thing, but there's also scenarios where a business will, and I think this has happened here several times, you know, Sam wants to open up a, a restaurant, a small, very small restaurant or something down here, and he's got to have meet the parking minimum. And so what does Sam do? There's no immediate parking available to be leased or rented, so he leases a spot or multiple spots like on the other side of downtown mm-hmm. to meet the minimum mm-hmm. to just be in business downtown. And so thereby justifying when they go through and they look at all of the capacities of these lots, well, I'm fully booked, right? I'm, yeah. Every spot is rented. You're now justifying that behavior that, Oh no, 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 we do need all of these right. when somebody's only renting it because they quote unquote have to, right. not yeah. because they actually get used. Right. Yes. And if we're, and you know, if we're serious about, you know, what are local things that limit the ability for new businesses to start? To me, that's like the most obvious one. Yeah. The most clear one. That's local. Absolutely. And this came up, you know, during the city council campaign. Shout out to my friend, Chris, you know, that was my opponent. We talked about this, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, what do we do to help small businesses? To me, that's like the number one thing. It's a local thing that we can control is the parking minimum. If we want to encourage folks to start businesses. I have here. an yeah. idea. I want to wait till you guys have fully... Mm-hmm talked about this but i want to put it out there so somebody reminds me and i don't forget it but it's an opportunity for entrepreneurship and it's an opportunity i think for collaboration with the city and probably one of its biggest employers and um i think it's an opportunity to solve an issue that maybe opponents of doing away with parking minimums you know i want to park right in front of the store those type of things how do you circumvent that yeah so just remind me when we come when we come back around okay okay reminder to jared remind me i'm I'm, I'm Um, taking a note of that (laughs) so to switch gears a little bit um i know you guys have been working um and you you wanted to talk about some some tables right give some real life examples of what we're talking about um can we kick off i know it might not be in the same city but can we talk a little bit about this building that we're sitting in absolutely right now so i have um, zero dedicated parking. I don't even have reality access in this building. 
and there is one parking spot out in front of our building. Makes a fine parklet. Yeah. yeah. A very Makes fine parklet. <laughs> it does. Check out that episode. <laughs> so there are, I'd have to ask Shuri, but I believe 30 different businesses inside this collaborative workspace. Okay. Awesome. Um, some of those businesses are one, one person businesses, two to five. Um, so the requirement I believe here, Sam, is what? How many spots would we be required to have here? You would be required, considering this building to be an existing facility within our C4. Samaritan has a C4 downtown commercial. No different than most communities that have a Mm -hmm. downtown district. You would be required to provide one all-weather, off-street parking space for each employee for each commercial enterprise and two all-weather off-street parking spaces for each residential unit. So I know you had talks about this third, the, uh, the floor yeah. we're on being residential or, uh, way early on, but it's all commercial. So yes. that, you're right. That is each employee for each commercial enterprise. So you're talking 40 spots right mm-hmm. there with me doing very back-of-the-napkin conservative math. It's probably more. Yeah. It, it, 40 it, spots. Yeah. For a five- thousand gross square foot building i mean that just think about that yeah putting that the footprint it's it's more it's more than five thousand square feet to get 40 parking spots yeah crazy i I just don't know where you come up with that not only in this scenario but most uh, all every other building commercial building within the c4 that's a really an existing zero lot property you know that that the mm. building encompasses the whole the whole lot i don't i don't know where you come up with that well and keep in mind you know to, to the point we're making about strong towns those minimums apply to the big boys too yeah so when you go out to yeah. wherever your favorite big place is and you see like the acres of blacktop that's why yeah and you know we we've True. all been there and it's like who parks out in these farthest Lots. And me, the kid in me is like, man, you could build 200 basketball courts out here and that'd be so awesome. Um, But that's why. I mean, that's, you know, so that's subject to everybody because those are in our town. They're zoned and they had to comply with those things too. And so you get acres of parking to meet the the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Who does that... If we want to encourage people to do business in a municipality... And I didn't want to build 40 parking spots for a 5,000 square foot building. Yeah. What does it encourage me to do? Tear down buildings. Yep. Tear down buildings or build them outside of the city limits where this stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. Because it is a burden now on a small business to just find parking. Yeah. Now, what I will say is, and this probably goes to a point maybe you guys want and or should talk about. When I went to do this, renovate this building, I didn't look at look into the parking. Yeah, because logical Larry over here is an engineer, um, not an architect or a planner. Well, I don't have rear alley access. Yeah, like just logical sense. Like I'm not even going to think about parking. And nobody said boo mm-hmm. to me about parking. There's no like I didn't get a special certificate. Oh, you're exempt from this. You know, there's there's nothing. Nothing yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Not during the plan review process, permitting, nothing. So 
I say all of that to say, and I think this is where you guys should maybe say something about it. What's the point of having the law if you have no intention of enforcing it or selectively enforcing it? Is that a hot take for you? I mean, it's not that hot. If if people have been listening to this show, they know that that take is not that hot because yeah. this is this is present in permitting and you know lots of other things that we do. We have all the right policies in our yeah. communities. We do. We have all the right policies. Yeah. We just don't always enforce them for a, a myriad of reasons, right? We yeah. just we just don't. This one for me goes back to, and I, I mean, there's some logic here. Your logic, Larry. Jared has a lot of characters. I love all Jared's characters. Thanks. He's got a lot of characters. Um, <laughs> You know, the, there's this feeling, you know, obviously there was a time when, and I think we're still in this time that, you know, we're in love with cars and it's our primary mode of transportation for everything that we do. I'm in love with trucks. Oh yeah. Trucks. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Same. <laughs> That's fine. I'm in love with Jeeps. And just, whole yeah, different, whole different, whole different category. In love with Jeeps. Speaking of which, we're going to have to switch parking spots. Well, yeah, you wish. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> well, you're going to see your name in my parking <laughs> spot. You heard it here first, folks. Oh man. But we, you know we have to, we do have to recognize that most people that do come into or to downtown come via car, so we do have to have some accommodation for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be the only thing. And I made a note here, and I, and I wanted to say this, and this is kind of you know Chuck is saying this, but I think this is kind of how I think about it is that if we're going to do a big parking project, it has to be due to some kind of success, not to cause success. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it. So w- we seem to think that like the, the solution to our problem is do a big parking project. Yeah. I think what we're saying is we don't really have a problem, but we have found a solution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'm, I would be fine. I am fine with doing the big parking project if we need it. And yeah. I'm not convinced now that we need it, but it kind of goes back to the fa- that perspective of the only way people can access our businesses with cars. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have an incredible dynamic, interesting, unique downtown that, I would argue would probably be just as good with little to no cars. I understand we're never going to do that and I'm not advocating for that, but I do yeah. think that this is interesting enough, unique enough that it would, it would survive in a completely different environment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, think about, and we've said this before and then I'll shut up about mm-hmm. it. Think about your favorite place to go, wherever that is. Mm-hmm. It probably isn't. The, the thing you love about it is not being in the car. Right. Yeah. The coolest thing about being in Central Park or the Champs Elysees in France, you know, is, is not being in the car. Right. Mm-hmm. It's being on foot, being present as a person, whatever. So yeah. I don't think we have to tie our success to that, but we have before and we haven't learned to let go of it yet. It, it's, it's hard. It is mm-hmm. hard. And there's definitely that perception. I mean, there's I have a Don, Donald Schwoop, the professor at UL, UL, UCLA's Department of Urban Planning, kind of known as a godfather on just this topic of yes, tell of, me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> is is you know more or less talks in an article, and I'll post it on on there. You know, that, which talk, it talks about free parking. So we go back to the curb aspect, right? This to drive people into town. You know, if your free parking exists, it what you you have this loop, right? You're you're fighting for the spot, and then you have drivers driving around all day. You know, basically finding fighting for that spot which leads to distracted drivers, leads to more congestion because we're just circulating in this perspective, right? Mm. And obviously this is talking about kind of the, he talks about how can off-street parking more or less have, can you have a demand-driven, right, cost for par- for the curbside parking? So what you're driving at, what he's driving at is 
the people who are like, oh, I can't, I want to park for free, right? It's not about the parking. It's about the destination, right? If you're willing to drive into town, park, pay for parking, get to where you want to go, right, leads to more kind of an economical return of like, well, you're willing to do that. You're willing to sacrifice. And these are the people we want in these areas. We want you to not just come here for convenience, right? You can go to a mall to get your parking convenience and walk. This is for the benefit of, of, of the experience and obviously your local economy. So, um, but again, that gets into the conversation of free curb parking and more or less what benefit is there to actually being free. Um, because again, you just have people circulating, circulating around when it's paid for, right? It's not so much in the sense of like, well, I got to go and I only get two hours here. It's just, you know, if I don't want to pay for it, I can go this way. Again, we lose sight of the conversation of parking versus actually what you're there to do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a big social, cultural thing that's, I think, starting to change, but that's on the forefront part of the conversation. We have to acknowledge people who don't want to accept um, that they have to walk a little bit. Well, think about, you think know. about this, what yeah. Sam's saying. And, I, and Sam, you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Every community that we talk to as consultants – they don't think they have enough parking. Correct. <laughs> None of them do. No. Nobody. Uh, the data shows the tremendous, incredible opposite perspective of that. Yeah. But the perception is that we don't have enough. And that's every community universally that we've ever spoken to. Yeah. We don't have enough parking. And so to me, that says the first thing we should do is do a better job of managing the parking we already have or the space that we have available for parking, manage that in a way that helps us meet our need before we start doing drastic things. There's a great, and, and there's a lot of examples of, you know, when you do things like tear down buildings to build parking and do stuff like that, to Jared's point, when that parking's not in use yeah. at that peak time, it feels very desolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're just these cavernous, you know, lots. Yeah, there's great amenities around it, and, and there are still wonderful things to do, but it feels empty because... We have all this space. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying that like it's easy, but there's a fine line there. But it gets to the idea of first, we have to manage what we have well, right, before we endeavor to do more. But I think it's interesting that every community we talk to, we don't have enough. And, and think of how we manage that in terms of other planning aspects, right? Like it's the wayfinding signage that just gets into better communication within your built environment. So, you know, do, do people know where the free spots are, you know? Have you highlighted where the free spots are? Yeah. Because you've opened the, if by eliminating parking for businesses in the actual built environment to let out to let other people in that have to maybe drive because car is their amenity, you know they're not within walking or biking distance, right? Have a knowledge of where they can go. Because the, again, we always have this debate: these people who are usually complaining aren't the ones living where you guys live, and you're walkable to get to get here. You know, mm-hmm. they're coming from somewhere else. Right. So they've already making the effort to get to where they need to get to get to. But once they get here, that frustration of parking just throws them in a loop. And it's just like, nah, and then they get all frustrated and, and peace out. So it's like, those are the people we're, we're actually talking about who are mostly upset. While we're not talking about the people who are actually within this density and over, you know, not overpopulated, but populated, you know, city, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, so I think this is probably a good segue. I've remembered my own idea. 
Remind. This is the reminder. Did this you need us reminder. to remind you so you had yeah. time to think about it? So, <laughs> yes. Let me come up with this idea. Remind me. <laughs> so Calling you out. There's a, um, it's a shopping, outdoor shopping area in um, the west side of Cleveland called Crocker Park. Um, Lena and I used to go there a lot when we lived in Cleveland. But one of the things that I've, I noticed that they've always done I think since the since they opened, there's some restaurants uh, like right when you first come in, um, but right off to the side, on both sides, regardless of where you're coming in, there's a valet, mm-hmm. and the valets are not exclusive to the restaurants. There there are parking garages all around, but if you are somebody who is disabled, or um, maybe you just want to get out and start walking, whatever. Uh, you don't want to walk through a parking garage. You don't want to go through or do whatever. You have the opportunity to get out right there. Yeah. Okay. Now, that valet costs significantly more money than what I'm about to advocate for. Yeah. But what you're talking about uh, with people coming who are not located here in the, the high-density yeah. portion of the city is their their frustration because they're probably not used to finding a place to park correct and i'm here to transact business i'm like a man shopping i want to get in i want to get out mm-hmm. okay that's what i want to do Just rather there. than the well let's go for a nice day or you know just go around and you know as i call it aimlessly meandering around town yeah you can't even enjoy shopping you engineer <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's on, we've got man. a purpose so having I, I think one it's a great opportunity for a entrepreneur and i mean this could be somebody right out of high school in mm. high school okay if you were able to coordinate with the city and say i'd like to have at the major intersections on the right hand side so that i can immediately make a right hand turn so if you're thinking marietta mm. think the corner of front and putnam so right there in front of the community foundation mm-hmm. and then a, a couple of other businesses right there yeah that's your staging area okay so those spots are now a an access to pull in a little queue, if you will, and then the valets are, and the the next one would be on a front and butler. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're on the right hand side. And so really, all you need is wayfinding. If people are coming from the interstate, they're coming right down uh, Green Street. Yeah. So they're going to be turning right onto Front Street or turning right onto Second Street. Yeah. And if they turn right onto Second Street, they're going to find big desolate parking lots on their own. But if they happen to go to Front Street, how do you get them to where they need to be? Well, you want to get them right off mm-hmm. at, at those corners where they can now walk basically right where they need to be within yeah. a matter of 100 feet. Like it's, it's no no burden to them to do it. Yeah. And if they were the valet was taking, let's call it two bucks, okay, something extremely reasonable, and they're going to go park at, I don't know, who has a big lot? Oh, I think the college does, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're interested in things like that to to service the community um, through that. So I think there are opportunities to not necessarily increase parking, but leverage what we have. And then if we find out, oh, this works, like Chuck's saying, then we build something, a multimodal transportation facility, right? Yes. So I don't know. I And I... The amount of money it takes to start that business and actually be successful at it, 
we've done, you know, a six mo for we we've built out a growing um, uh, valet s- service in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Yeah. And we they started out small and they kept growing and then it kept growing like now they're huge. Yeah. Like you can't go anywhere in Cleveland that's not be them. So that that and it doesn't take anything other than manpower. Can you drive a car? Can you lift fifty pounds? You're hired. Yeah. You know? Um so I don't know. I think that's just a little idea. I like that. That's something extremely easy. Again, focus on right hand turns, whatever community you're in, focus on something where it's it's easy to get off. You're already at an intersection. Okay. You can go front, backwards, left, right, doesn't matter. Um, but the vehicle pulls out and it can immediately go right to wherever destination parking is. Yeah. Rather than going left. So you'd want to strategically work that yeah. for your community. That's a great idea. I like that. I just imagine it's a bunch of Appalachian valets. Sounds like a new song. <laughs> but I do I like this idea. And I, I think, think the college could do it. I mean, I'm just sitting here promoting yeah. them doing all these things, but yeah. I think about the students in there um, that would want to do that. I mean, I had a job at OU when I went there. I, I drove Cat Cab, which was um, basically anybody who got injured. Like when I tore my ACL, that's how I found about, out about them. Mm-hmm. They drove me to class for yeah. free. Yeah. Dropped me off front door. It was great. So those opportunities exist, and now you leverage, and you don't have to use the college's giant parking facilities but you could yeah you know and so it's just another way to now not see those parking lots desolate and to minimize the traffic downtown because that looping doesn't exist now if i know i have a place to go and just sit in my car and wait till somebody drives it away from me and then that when it comes back it's nice and warm or nice and cool whatever the season may be for two bucks yeah i'd be all over that yeah i was just thinking the cool thing about that is that i mean that could even just be seasonal yeah. You know, when the demand requires it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing I think about too. And, and I know Chuck is saying this in some of his pieces is that, you know, I think, you know, we're always downtown. Obviously we work downtown, but we're down here too. And for me, I, I don't remember ever not being able to park when it's not like parade night. Or mm-hmm. Like even oh. when it was parade night on Saturday, Cherie snagged my, my parking spot, my guaranteed Jared Perry 24-7 sign yeah. parking spot. She took it from me. So I'm toting around six kids or whatever. <laughs> but you know what? I found a spot, I mean, literally less than 100 feet away. Right. Yeah. And I was late. Like yeah. the parade was starting. Yeah. And I was. I still found it like absolutely no. And the streets were packed. It was huge. Yeah. So, I, yes. Yeah. But it's good. I mean, I'm glad that folks are talking about this. I mean, we all recognize how important it is and – it is sensitive to folks because I think, you know, we're very connected to the idea that, you know, if you can't drive here and yeah. park right here, that's a concern. It's valid. I'm not saying it's not valid, but I'm glad we're at least having these conversations around what could we do because, and I'm cer- I'm certainly glad we are not in, yet in the, like, you know, what could we do away with to create parking? I'm yeah. certainly not in favor of any of, any of that at all, mm-hmm. yes, at all. Um, Again, because I think we could just more more effectively manage the, the spaces we have. And quite often, quite honestly, there are other spaces we're not using for parking now that we could press into service yeah. if we chose to. Yeah. And I love Chuck's, you know, wait till you have a demand problem until you build it. Yes. What's the best way to have a demand problem? Help the small businesses that are downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Invest in them. Give them a park. Give them extended sidewalks. Give them... You know, 
whatever incentives it, it takes, yeah. okay, or, you know, a strong uh, Main Street, uh, you know, yeah. things that are people right. that are out there working for them 24-7, I think those are the things that create the demand. Oh, I mean, that's why our, our first Fridays are so great yeah. is because people want to be here because the community does such a great job. Yeah. yeah. So if the demand is there continually and now you see something that you didn't get to check out, then, you know, the last Friday you went, you're going to come back. And I do recognize that, you know, we haven't touched on this yet. And this, the tenor of this conversation changes if we have significant people living downtown. If we have folks that are yeah. living downtown, then this conversation is, is a little different. Mm-hmm. But we're not exactly there yet. We have a few, you know, there are several that I think we're able to serve adequately now. But if that, like, really blew up, I mean, if one of these buildings just became, you know, all, you know, 50 apartments, right, that's yeah. a... That, that, How does New York City yeah. solve that? You charge a lot. Charge, yeah. Oh, or you just don't have a car. Or, or just or you don't have, have, right? have a car. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. But, I mean, I just, I lob it right back. I, what's the episode uh, on Seinfeld, dating myself, but where George <laughs> takes the keys and he's just out, you know, parking cars? <laughs> like, I think about that and it's like, do you really need it? Sure. If yeah. you're living downtown, if you're living downtown and driving 45 minutes to work, yeah, you need a spot. But also, do you need to be living downtown? Now you're living downtown because of a choice. I want to live downtown. Right. Yeah. So my choice is going to dictate that I may have to walk a quarter mile to go get my car wherever sure. it is parked. Yep. Yeah. No different than when I worked yeah. downtown Cleveland and you park in the Muni lot down by Lake Erie and you trudge your way all up East 9th and it's like freezing cold. Yeah. A mile, not yeah. not a quarter mile, like, it, but it was six bucks. So yeah, I'm gonna do it. I had a buddy who had a Jeep when he lived in New York City, and had it parked in his work in Hoboken. He wanted the Jeep; that was his car, but he didn't need it. But that's mm-hmm. where he kept it. So in an emergency, I mean, that's just what you live to, you adapt to in order to live to some of these great cities. Yes. Is you know, if there's an emergency and I need to get to a family relative, a, a state away. Well, it's mm-hmm. going to take me 45 minutes to an hour to get over to Hoboken to get my to get my car and then however long it would take mm-hmm. to you know actually get to wherever the residence would be. Yep. So um but I I wanted to wrap this up too in the sense that why I talked about it as a zoning law is, you know, and how c- smaller communities could at least start thinking about removing parking minimums is that that's a solution, you know, to some kind of problem or some kind of growth somewhere else. And we've never assessed it in our actual community itself. Right. So Marietta's is probably really not suited for Marietta. All the other communities we work for, it's not suited for them. By eliminating it, we now can just know that because that solution is re- theoretically causing problems. So mm-hmm. let's eliminate this as a solution and then assess as we move forward. Because I've told you, zoning is, should be always evolving. So what that fix was for somebody back in 2005 that Marietta put in doesn't hold true today yeah uh, to me that's got lawyer written all over it rather than planner yeah agreed. i think when you hire agreed. a law firm to do planning exercises and this is just my hot take jared perry the opinions solely of jared perry <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> yeah because you need a formula i want to be fair and equitable and everybody will shall follow the law here it is written in plain english mm-hmm. that's you're not thinking about all of these other things. There's yeah. no planning aspect. There's yeah. no real, that's not what 
that person is designed or educated to do. Yeah. Well, they're designed to, to write law, yeah. not designed to think about how everybody else will interact with that law. Yeah. So, And I don't think you need to be uh, a genius, rocket science, anything to read your case of your zoning like permit to be like, how in the heck are we going to get you that many parking spots? Well, what's the best solution? Just kind of ignore it. Let's choose not to enforce it because really that problem that you have, mm-hmm. I don't know what your solution is. Don't and, know what and shout is. out to the city. They, that's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, if I'm somebody else yes. that was held to that standard, and that's, I'm going to be ticked off. Absolutely. Why absolutely. did this guy get off and I didn't? Absolutely. Yeah. Why why were the, why were these uh buildings allowed to be built here for this use but I'm not allowed to put this use here. Yep. Same exact zone, same exact requirements. Agreed. Well, because we said so. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Zones. zones. It's funny you say that. I was thinking about Jason, friend of the show, the zones guy, right? He he went to Ohio State like Sam, the Ohio State, excuse me. Mm. And he used to joke with me. Thanks for doing that, even though we just lost. (laughs) I'm not even going to bring it up, man. I'm not hailing to anybody. I will. (laughs) I know Jared will. Um, But he used to always tell me, you know, he had to take a bus to get to his car. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think that's, obviously it's different in a metropolis, but, you know. You say that to somebody here, right, that sounds just completely insane. (laughs) All right. Should we introduce a new segment? Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. Well, should we do it? We'll end on a good, on a, on a little fun. So, note. guys, <laughs> we we want to find a way to make this show more entertaining, especially when we talk about things like parking minimums. Mm-hmm. So, Sam here at the office always graces us with a read sing of country music songs. Yeah. Oh, they're so great. Are they? Are they? <laughs> Are they? <laughs> so awesome. So, we're going to just listen in as Sam. Reed sings us some country songs. Some some good old songs. Let me let me uh play a little intro for everybody here. This is the worst country song of all time. Oh yeah. Love yeah. It. Wow. And the spared no expense there. And the first one I'm gonna sing is the one I usually sing, which is Blake Shelton's yes, Boys Around Here. Oh boy. You're in for a treat, folks. Mm. Well, the boys around here don't listen to the Beatles. Rono Pukapus, I don't know how to say that, threw a <laughs> two-box needle at a honky-tonk where their boots stomp all night. What? That's right. Yeah, and what they call work, digging in the dirt. Got to get it in the ground for the rain come down to get paid to get the girl in your four-wheel drive. A country boy can survive. Mm. Yeah, the boys around here drinking that ice-cold beer. Talking about girls, talking about trucks, running them red dirt roads out, kicking up dust. The boys around here, sending up a prayer to the man upstairs. Backwoods legit, don't take no. Chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. Mm. Oh, heck. Red, 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 (laughs) redneck. Well, the boys around here, they're keeping it country. And a one know how to do the Dougie. Mm. You don't do the Dougie? No, not in Kentucky. But these girls around here, yep, they still love me. Yeah, the girls around here, they all deserve a whistle. Shaking that sugar, sweet as Dixie Crystal. They like that, y'all, and Southern drawl, and just can't help it because they just keep falling. For the boys around here, drinking that ice-cold beer, talking about girls, talking about trucks, 
running them red dirt roads out, kicking up dust. The boys around here sending up a prayer to the man upstairs. Backwoods legit. Don't take no. Chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco. Spit. Let me hear you say, oh, let's ride. Oh, let's ride down to the riverside. Hey, now, girl, hop inside. Me and you going to take a little ride to the river. Let's ride. That's right. Lay a blanket on the ground. Kissing in the crickets is the only sound. We out of town. You ever got down with a red, 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 redneck? And do you want to get down with a red, 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 redneck? Girl, you got to get down with the boys around here drinking that ice cold beer, talking about girls, talking about trucks, kicking them red dirt roads out, kicking up dust. The boys around here sending up a prayer to the man upstairs, backwoods legit, don't take no, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. Red, 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 redneck. Oh, let's ride. I'm one of them boys around here. Oh, let's ride. Red, 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 redneck. Oh, let's ride. Well, I'm all thinking about is you and me, how we'll be. So come on, girl, hop inside. Me and you, we're going to take a little ride. Lay a blanket on the ground. Kissing in the crickets is the only sound. We out of town. Girl, you got to get down with a come on through the countryside. Down to the riverside. In the song. Oh, that just happened. So, I got a two things. One, yes, I have a truck. Yes, <laughs> I listen to that song. Yes, with the windows down. I. It sounds so much different Reading, when the song is playing. Yeah. Um, but when you read the words, and I, the kind of the uh, the underlying for this, yes, it's funny. Um, at least I think so. But if you don't think it's funny, just support at mytownhustle.com. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll take keep it. Sam's home phone number in a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> but how many things are that we see or hear on a day-to-day basis that are packaged up to sound really good? True. And then when you take a moment to actually read it <laughs> and learn about it, you know, like, what are they actually saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, that song literally says nothing. Yeah. And, or, and or says the exact same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So if it says nothing and it says nothing over and over and over again, you've listened to nothing over and over and over again. A solid two minutes probably out of that four-minute song. Yes. Yeah. It's like that uh, part in Billy Madison where the guy's like, everyone in the room is now dumber for having listened to it. <laughs> well, kudos to Blake Sheldon. I don't know how you read red six times and then say redneck and like not throw in a couple extra reds or like blues. I'm like I had to point to it as <laughs> so I didn't lose track. Yeah, your your the rhythm probably helps you. You're missing yeah. that part. True. There's that no is, beat. There's no beat here. That is true. Right? So yeah. kudos to him. No no disrespect. This is when you read that it is Bad. Bad. And we got more coming. But. Yeah. So stay All right. tuned. <laughs> for nothing else, stay tuned for Sam's reading. So word. Absolutely. Now that you've you've got to hear parking minimums and a reading from the worst country songs of all time, yeah. uh, we're going to shut this mother down. All the way. Sure all the way down. So uh, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, uh, anything. Um, the, the platforms that you're listening to, um, if you've if you feel froggy and you want to give us a five star review, we'd certainly appreciate that. Uh, if you have any questions, hit us up. Support at mytownhustle.com. But until next time.
Thank you for listening to My Town Hustle. We would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it. But most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We start dancing and begin